You're listening to episode number two. Welcome to the Powerhouse Podcast. My name is Megan Swanson, former Miss Nebraska turned entrepreneur and expert pageant interview coach. And each week right here, we bring you a motivating conversation to help you discover just how to unlock the winner within you. Get ready for expert pageant interview secrets, life coaching strategies, and tons of personal development. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Now, let the podcast begin. Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to share podcast number two with you all today, which I'm calling Over It, Overwhelmed and Overeating. It is amazing to me how much more comfortable this is, even just the second time doing this. I have to admit, last time it was a is a little bit nerve-wracking. I am a pretty comfortable person um, in front of people and speaking in front of people and even typically being vulnerable with my clients all the time. I tell them my stories, they tell me you know, their stories, but I have to admit that last time it was a little bit uncomfortable. So today I'm feeling really great. I'm super excited to share this story and this portion of my life and this coaching with you guys today. And today we're primarily going to be talking about, like I said, those two topics, being overwhelmed and overeating, which typically is a byproduct of being overwhelmed. And you guys will get to hear a very specific instance in my life where for about a year I dealt with an emotional eating disorder, which, you know, wasn't hip and trendy and cool back then. And really seven years ago when I dealt with this, um, people didn't know a lot about it and it wasn't as common knowledge as it is now. So I'm really excited to share this with you guys today because I know that a lot of you guys are in pageantry listening and obviously two thirds of America is overweight and that's just really frustrating sometimes because I've dealt with that myself and I know how it feels to feel trapped in a cycle of something that you can't control. So even if you haven't dealt with overeating necessarily. What I want you guys to really focus on today during this podcast is to think of what that thing that's gripping you, that's holding you, that's holding you back right now in your life is. And like I said, while it may not be overeating, I want you to think of what that thing is for you and to really just set that as an intention for you today to apply the techniques and the strategies to help people get out of that in their life through unlocking that part of the inside of themselves today for you, what that is. So think about that, grab a hold of that today for what that is for you. And I'm really excited that hopefully by the end of these few short minutes with us together today that you will be one step closer to overcoming that because like I said I've been through it it stinks man like if you're competitive like me or if you're just an achiever which I know all of you pageant girls listening most definitely are and obviously just living in a society today where image is so important and social media like runs our lives and sometimes, like I said, ruins our lives. And we just live in such a highlight reel society. And I know we hear that all the time, but like it really is, you guys. I mean, there's not a day that goes by when we aren't looking at our phones and basically internally comparing ourselves to the world around us. And what's really hard is that the world tells you that everybody else is fine. Everybody else is only having positive emotions. And we'll talk about that in two or three podcasts um, coming up. It's either number four or number five. I forgot which one it is. But I'm really excited to share this with you guys today because we're going to hopefully take steps together to further ourselves to not allowing those things that are currently 
currently gripping us to really lay hold of our lives anymore, at least so much. If we can get even 1% closer today towards that kind of freedom, then that means the world to me. And I can't wait to hear you guys' feedback in the comments and on social media for how this is helping you. So I'm really excited. Um, And also just to touch on social media a little bit, I'm extremely passionate about using social media for good. So don't worry for everyone listening. um, As always, feel free to drop in the comments below on iTunes what topics you guys would like us to cover in the future or what stuck, stuck out to you guys the most today about this particular topic. I love to hear the feedback. It makes me better as a coach. It makes me better as a human. And I only want to be sharing things with you guys that actually matters to you guys. So let's dive right into today's story and we'll get to the strategies and the coaching at the end. As always, you guys, our brand new inner circle is open and for less than the cost of just one coaching session, um, one hour long coaching session with me, you can literally get a gigantic package um, combined with the greatest community of young women. I mean, I'm biased, but it's pretty awesome ever um, each month. And like I said, for less than the cost of one coaching session with me. So head on over to powerhousepageantry.com forward slash inner circle to find out more about that opportunity because we will be raising the prices in February and also closing the inner circle at 50 women. So make sure you head on over there if that interests you and you want to spend some more time with me and uh, learn some more in depth on the topics that we talk about on this podcast. So let's dive into today's story. So um, we're setting the scene. We're in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm 18 years old and let's get started. So moving to Nashville at 18 was supposed to be my way out. As you guys heard in the podcast last week, high school was not my favorite time. Even though I was involved in a bunch of activities, I think we all know that high school can just be really rough. And I think it's interesting how whenever we're going through a trial, a season, um, a certain negative circumstance, it's so easy to get wrapped up in the mindset that this is going to A, last forever. B, it becomes your entire world. And it can be so hard. I don't know if any of you guys have felt this way. I'm sure you have that are listening today. But man, I remember so many really difficult seasons of my life. And it is it can be so hard to pull yourself up to the kind of airplane view, as I always say, and really back up from the experience and not let the thoughts and the emotions of that experience be all consuming. And I think that's a perfect example of high school. But um, if you're going through that right now, this is just a reminder today to back up and remind yourself what you're going through will not last forever and you're going to get through it and you're going to have victory and it's going to be amazing. So just take that first step today. You guys are taking that first step right now just by listening to this podcast. So pat on the back for you guys. Way to go. Growing up in Omaha, Nebraska, which is where I'm from, I've always known, you guys, I wanted to be a musician my entire life. Um, My parents met in a recording studio singing jingles together and have an incredible love story. And literally since I was two years old, they say, I knew I wanted to be a quote unquote pop star, as my, my parents always say. And let's just say Nebraska didn't quite cut it as making it big for me personally. Um, I knew I didn't want to teach. I didn't want to go to school for music ed, even though I love show choir. I literally remember debating in my head, like, can I go to college and teach a show choir, even if I don't teach because I do not want to be put in a box like that. And a nine to five job would drive me crazy. The thought of also singing classical music all day at a regular college literally made me want to barf. So that was not for me. 
So when I competed at the only other pageant I actually ever really did before I won Miss Nebraska was way back at like age 14. And that was the first time I had traveled to Nashville since I was about, I think, eight or nine years old on like a ministry trip that I was too young to remember. And I, it was for Anso Nationals and I placed top 10. It was awesome. And during one of the rehearsals one day, I remember my very smart and innovative mother found the mothership of all music schools, literally like the baby making factory of future famous musicians. And that's actually how I found Belmont University, which is where I ended up attending and majoring in commercial voice and music business. I had really, really high hopes for college. Like I said, I knew Omaha was not the place for me and I really wanted to develop myself. I've always been a self-developer and I went to Belmont to network, to get good grades, to improve my vocal sound. But then the first day of school happened. And if anybody else listening here is a music major, first of all, you can comment in the comments because I'd love to know who's had similar experiences. But you will definitely be feeling this podcast very much because you will understand the grind uh, of music school. It is unlike any other major other than maybe nursing. You guys get it. You guys have clinicals all day or like some of the other medical fields. But The very first day of school was a Wednesday. And you guys, what a lot of people don't know about music majors is that you have these things called zero credit classes that the educational system, A, has to do. So they're really not being just secretly mean, but they are the most pointless classes typically ever. And they are anywhere from an hour to two to three hours long and they are required. And no, you don't get any credit for them, but you have to go. And so every Wednesday, the first semester of my college at my dream school, I had over four hours of straight singing. Every freshman music major's worst memory of college, especially at Belmont. So starting at 8 a.m., I literally, like I said, had straight classes. We had one hour of convocation hour at 10 o'clock. That's where I got to eat. And luckily, my dorm room was a hop, skip, and a jump away from the music building. Thank God. We ended every single day with this wonderful, I say with complete sarcasm, class called oratorio, or or as I called it, and everyone else called it, snoratorio slash boratorio slash pointless-atorio, which was, like I said, two hours of classical singing on top of women's choir, vocal seminar, and what seemed like 11 other types of singing that day. All I remember is calling my mom crying after my vocal seminar before boratorio slash snoratorio and telling her mom, I cannot do this. My voice teacher is terrifying. He told us, he literally did say this, only one third of us would even make it to senior year. And I feel like I'm part of the two thirds who won't. By the way, that vocal teacher later became one of my favorite teachers. And I actually ended up choosing him to be my private individual teacher. So that was really funny. So shout out to Bruce. But I told my mom this, I was like, mom, I suck. I suck. I'm going to quit. Everyone's really good. I can't even sing in my freaking chest voice. I need to change my major. Like, I need to be a music business major. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? I'm freaking out. And (laughs) this may have not been your exact story, but have you ever felt this way? In your pageant prep, maybe during a pageant, you're comparing yourself, you're overwhelmed, you can't process the emotions that you're having, you're totally in a different environment that you feel is way over your head. You feel like you're doing this alone. You guys, I was so overwhelmed my first week of college. I literally wanted to move home. And I'm so glad that my mom didn't let me quit. And having gone through music school actually herself and my dad as well, she knew exactly what I was going through. Thank God. So 
I was super overwhelmed, like I said, in the first couple months of college. A few months go by, we're getting into the latter half of the first semester. And I, because of like all these things I was going through, because of that overwhelm and not understanding how to process that at the speed that I needed to, I noticed some really bad habits that were starting to form in my life. And it, it, and it honestly scared me, you guys. I, I wasn't making friends very well. I joined a sorority, but I didn't feel like I fit in. Like I could, didn't feel like I could... 100% be all in in my sorority just because I'm so naturally business minded. I'm so business wired, um, entrepreneurially wired, which I didn't know back then that I was always trying to just think of how can I press ahead? How can I reach my goals? What else can I learn? And, you know, it was really hard to feel like the people that I chose to surround myself with were not always that way. So anyways, I noticed some bad habits um, forming in my life. And I also noticed something that I hadn't dealt with before because I'd been a real thin six foot tall woman since the eighth grade. And what that was, as you guys probably are guessing, was weight gain cause was emotional overeating. So that was my thing. That was my outward expression of what was going on with the overwhelm. And um, which, by the way, like I said, was not talked about um, seven years ago, if you guys didn't notice. So everybody just called it being fat. So in my head, I'm like, okay, eat more salad, less runza. Did any of that happen? Um, 100% absolutely not literally ever. Like it literally was so bad my freshman year. I don't think I ever succeeded in eating healthfully an entire year. Oh, wait, now that I think about it, you guys don't know what runza is right? Runza is totally a Nebraska thing. This makes me laugh. Um, I will put a link in the show notes. You're welcome, Runza, as to what Runza is. And it'll be a surprise for all of you guys. Comment below if you actually know what Runza is. And if you don't know what Runza is, I guess don't read the comments or it'll spoil it for you. (laughs) Unless you like that kind of thing. And uh, if learning what Runza is, is the one thing that you take away from today, I've probably failed. But at least you know where to stop on I-80 the next time you drive across the country. Anyways, At the time, you guys, every single day I would wake up and I would have a flood of thoughts, which included my clothes don't fit. I have muffin tops on my muffin tops. Like, what the heck? Where did my neck go? And I remember thinking, no wonder boys didn't like me. And I just remember that because the entry point was a negative habit that I did not know what the root of it was. I remember feeling so stuck and so incredibly defeated because I didn't know how to really trace my steps back to what could actually help me. And for all you competitive people out there, all of you self-starters, all of you people who are trying to achieve something, when you're dealing with something like this and you don't understand the root of it, I just want to sympathize with you guys and let you know that that the rest of this podcast, I hope, really helps you today because we're going to unlock some of those things. And I just want you guys to know that I've been there and that you don't have to stay there for the rest of your life. And it does get better. But the entry point is really learning how to accept some of those emotions and work through them and then learn how to have a better belief of yourself. And we're going to talk about that. And I know a lot of my clients deal with this because most pageant girls, you guys may not know who are listening, are working multiple jobs, taking extra classes and competing in pageants fully supporting themselves individually in their dreams and just trying to win scholarship money, not mention are constantly getting out in their community to promote their platforms. And in my mind at the time when I was going through this, all I saw was a huge set of obstacles that were keeping me from my own success. And the weird thing for me was that I actually got really comfortable with my problems. 
even though the problems made me feel so uncomfortable, right? My clothes didn't fit. I didn't like to look in the mirror. I thought that I had nothing to offer. That's uncomfortable emotionally and physically, physically, because without the tools to help myself, what else could I do? I guess I just had to accept my fate, right? Like this is the way it's always going to be. But in reality, that's completely wrong. For me, it actually took a wake up call for me to realize that something was really, in fact, very, very wrong. My wake up call came in June of 2012, almost seven years ago already, which is insane. When my mom marched me into her room, I was home uh, on my first summer break and she marched me into her room, stood me in front of her big mirror. And she's so keen. She's so awesome. She could tell that I had gained weight. Obviously, she had she could tell that I was emotionally just not in a good place. And she could tell that I was really trying to hold it together on the outside when just stuff was not happening on the inside. And she told me to look myself in the eyes and declare to say out loud that I was beautiful. And if any of you guys are my clients listening, you guys have heard me share this story because I really believe that there's a pivotal moment in everyone's adult life and really probably every five years or so where there's a turning point where we're, we're no longer comfortable with the result that our life is continually producing. And there comes a time in your life, you guys, where you have to count the cost. It's just like leadership. You know, I think a lot of times people look at leaders and they say, well, it'd be really nice to be the one making all the decisions. Well, it'd be really nice not to have somebody else telling me what to do all the time. But I don't think that people understand that with every new level of leadership, there's a new level of sacrifice. And with whatever you're going through today, whatever you have come to this podcast to try to grow in, I want you to think about that. And I want you to think about what are you currently not willing to give up as a cost for the long-term benefit of what you actually want to see yourself grow in. And at the time for myself, I was not willing to sacrifice, right, the short-term of choosing to eat healthfully because what I wanted was the immediate gratification of the emotional comfort. Even though, if you guys have ever struggled with overeating, immediately, as soon as I would overeat and as soon as I'd feel physically horrible, then the thought attacks would come. Literally dozens and dozens of thoughts at a time saying, you're this, you're this, you're never gonna be this, you'll never be this. Just horrible, which we'll talk about in a second. And so I remember standing there with my mom and even though she was speaking life into me saying, Megan, you aren't leaving this bathroom until you say something nice to yourself. And even though she was saying, you're beautiful, you know, you have this, you have this going for you. You're so smart. Like you're talented, you're tall, you're this, you're this, you're this. And was so encouraging. I remember her suggesting this one thing that stood out to me, this one thing that if I said it out loud, just one, I could leave her room and we wouldn't have to talk about this anymore. Because remember, you guys, like I had a very low level of emotional intelligence, which we'll talk about. And it was just one compliment. How, how hard could it be, right? And I want you guys, again, think of that thing that you're going through. How hard could it be, right? I'm sure you've told yourself, how hard could it be to just not do this? And yet I keep falling into the same patterns. Why am I doing this? To me, it was the hardest thing ever. I remember standing locked up in my own thought life like a ball of yarn, six feet by six feet in circumference, right? Slowly unraveling bit by bit while I was processing in silence. My body was rigid with anger, pain, 
and my emotions couldn't process fast enough to say anything. I was angry. I was hurt. I hated myself. I had 10,000 thoughts running through my head and I could not process it fast enough. A few thoughts unraveled a bit at a time. How did I let myself get so ugly? Why did, what do I even have to offer the world? I remember my mother suggested I comment on one thing, the color of my eyes. My eyes are like super different. <laughs> they're, they're bright green and hereditarily, we have this cool thing in our family on my mom's side where all the kids with green eyes have speckles in their left eye. They kind of look like freckles. And it's something that we've always kind of joked about my whole life, but it's, it's now one of my favorite features about myself. And I remember in that moment, even though my mom just asked me to say out loud one simple thing, I like my eyes. That's all she wanted me to say. I just remember instantly, instantly becoming hyper aware of my thoughts that were just like screaming at me. And, you know, whatever you guys are dealing with today, I'm sure that you've been in a very similar position where you're so condemning to yourself that those thoughts just feel like they're screaming at you. And I remember hearing things in my head like, you're ugly. There's nothing good about you. Your eyes, who cares? You have nothing to give. Just quit. Belmont doesn't want you or need you. Everyone else is better than you. You'll never be successful. Guys don't like you. Your sorority doesn't want to be around you. God doesn't love you. This is as good as it's going to get. Just accept defeat. You'll be fat forever. And in that moment, I have to be honest. I couldn't and did not compliment myself. I'm pretty stubborn, but it really wasn't even stubbornness at that moment, you guys. It was a complete lack of belief. I believed to my core that everything that those thoughts were telling me were true. I believed that my eyes were just like everybody else's. I believed that I was ugly. I believed that I would never be successful, that you know I wouldn't make great friends in college, that God didn't love me in that moment. And that was probably the lowest point that I can remember in that emotional eating experience. And the saddest thing, not to get too deep with you guys, the saddest thing was that I remember I was so afraid of facing those emotions that I literally couldn't even look myself in the eyes. I remember the thought of actually staring at myself in my own pupils and it scared me half to death that I remember catching one glimmer of myself staring right into my own eyes and it scared me so badly that I just dropped to the ground bawling and sat there thinking in the fetal position for what seemed like hours. I think it was at least an hour or so. Little did I know that I was just feeling emotions that I didn't know how to process and that vulnerability was something of which I did not love to participate in. We'll talk about this a lot later, but I want you guys to visualize this with me. Emotions are like a liquid substance with particles in it, okay? Particles of all different shapes, sizes, and your emotional intelligence is like a filter, okay? How big that filter is, is determined by the level of your emotional intelligence. And how big that filter is obviously determines how big of particles can be processed through it, right? So the bigger your emotional intelligence, the easier it is for those emotions to filter through that process, through the filter, to be able to be able to look at and say, oh, that's what I'm feeling and to communicate that. And so back then at that time, you guys, I was so unemotionally intelligent or, um, or sorry, emotionally unintelligent that these emotions, because thoughts turn into emotions. Okay. So I'm having all these thoughts 
I didn't know how to process them because I had the tiniest little baby filter. And so what would happen is I would process them through the five emotions that I was raised with. And that's a whole different topic for later. But just imagine everybody has a pressure box, okay? Everybody has this pressure box. And when it explodes, basically you start to emote with the emotions that you actually understand. And so actually for me personally, what's weird is that I I was actually raised in a really, really good home that my parents never yelled. They never really fought in front of us at all. So I don't really know where this came from. But when I am processing emotions that I don't understand, the two primary emotions that I deal with are actually anger and just like total shutdown. And part of that is because of emotional detachment, which we'll talk about very, very soon in another episode. I believe it's actually episode number three. Um, But because I'm such a thinker, my whole life, I thought I was emotionally intelligent. But what I found out specifically this past year is that I definitely am not. Um, You guys, so I just want to be real with you guys that I'm a work in progress just like you guys are, but I promise you developing your emotional intelligent life, developing your emotional life, emotional health, which is much different than mental health is so incredibly important because then when circumstances are happening to you, you can feel like you never have to give away your power, which we kind of talked about on the first podcast. So I hope that filter analogy, you guys, is helpful for you. Um, That just came to me as I was prepping for this podcast. And I think of that every time now when I'm having an emotion that I don't understand. Um, And another great thing too, that's just a little exercise to help you guys is that specifically when you're dealing with that thing, like like I was talking about, mine was emotional overeating. What I wish I would have had was just to Google a list of emotions. There are some really cool lists of emotions that you guys can download if you just Google it. Um, and what they do is they actually can categorize some really great adjectives. So for example, like if it said anger, it'll give you 20 different words that kind of are under the umbrella of anger. And hopefully when you're processing some emotion, you can go to that list and point to one or two of them that really describe how you're feeling. And then for example, specifically, if you're in a conflict with someone, that can be absolutely monumental to helping those conversations go better and to really work out conflict with people if you can accurately describe what you need and what you're feeling. So that's just kind of a a side note. Um, But let's get to the happy part of this story, okay? So you guys all heard in the fetal position trying to process those emotions, not so happy. Definitely can't tell myself that I'm beautiful. Can't tell myself that I have pretty eyes even, right? Pretty bad place. Um, But I'm proud to say that on that same emotional day, despite like the mess of everything, after sitting for a long couple hours um, with those thoughts, which I didn't know were producing those emotions and really thinking things through. I actually, I did end up standing up. And you guys, this is probably one of the most pivotal moments in my life because I I very frequently now in hindsight, think about if I wouldn't have and think about if I didn't stand up and I just continued to deny my emotions and deny my feelings and deny that I could have a better belief of myself, that I could get up, that I could change things. And even though at the time I I didn't quite fully believe it yet, I forced myself to look at my mirror. I'm pretty sure my mom was 
quote unquote helpful, let's just say, and being like, no, like you're, you're going to do this. And I really appreciate that. But I did end, up tell, did end up telling myself this will change. And I started declaring out loud what I knew to be true about myself, what I wanted to be true about myself, even if my feelings definitely weren't yet on board right then. And um, they definitely didn't align with my confession. So here's some of the things I forced myself to say. I have a loving family. Totally true. Two, I know that God loves me and has a plan for my life. Three, I have seen other people lose weight, so so can I. Number four, there's nothing wrong with my metabolism. There's something wrong with my habits. And five, habits can be changed, so so can I. And through tooth and nail, tooth and nail, you guys, I forced myself to say through gritted teeth. And I'm pretty sure I rolled my eyes at my mom when I finally said this and was probably super rude because hashtag teenager. Um, I finally said through gritted teeth, I like my eyes. I, I can see it in my head. Like it was like seceding to a war. Seriously. It, was like, it felt like raising the white flag. And if you guys have ever been in a conflict where you feel like you have to go first and actually be the person who humbles themselves. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt in that moment. So it's just funny to me how underdeveloped, underdeveloped emotional intelligence like makes us crazy people. But what was the coolest moment, you guys, which was a, a huge turning point in my life was right after I chose to really submit to my mom's authority in that situation and also speak life over myself. I really feel like God opened a door to where he could speak to me truth and speak to my heart, speak to my identity, speak to the truth of who I was. And I really feel in that moment like I got a giant figurative thump on my head and I finally realized, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, wait, this whole time, my solution needed to start internally, not externally. What? My emotional eating disorder, my overwhelm, my self-doubt, it had nothing to do with the people around me or how much prettier, skinnier, better they were than me, their metabolisms or Nashville or singing ability or food. Nope. It was literally all my thought life. And though I definitely didn't know then what I know now that we can completely choose the emotions that come from our thoughts and don't ever have to relinquish power to others to control those things. That was the day that I became like really freakishly passionate about thought life, mental health and psychology. And here we are seven years later, finally getting to really teach people about it in a public setting. And it just makes me so happy. You guys, I'm going to be honest with you. It was a daily grind. Okay. More like a minute by minute grind to get over this eating disorder. But I'll never forget Thanksgiving of 2014, 2015, when the very last remains of my eating disorder were gone forever. And looking, it all happened, looking at my Thanksgiving plate. And I just remember having the thought, wow, I don't feel compelled to finish this. I don't have an emotional attachment to this. I don't feel like this is controlling me. Oh my goodness, I can stop overeating. I can do it. I don't have to feel the pain of feeling way too full and the immediate shame that comes right after. And I just remember this sense of victory within myself. And, you know, even though life hasn't been perfect since then at all, I felt like I got, you know, kind of my swag back, like food didn't control me anymore. And you guys, I'm here to tell you today that neither does your problems. They do not have to control you anymore. And just so you know, I really appreciate you guys allowing me to be vulnerable and for listening to my story. And you guys, whatever story popped up in your own mind earlier from your own life while I was telling mine, 
I'm here to tell you one thing. It's okay if you haven't had the Thanksgiving moment yet because your moment is coming and you're doing the right things today by listening to this very podcast. And why do I know? Because I'm going to give you some really, really extremely helpful strategies literally right now. So let's start with overeating, okay? Overeating 101. The number one way to stop overeating is learning to choose discomfort, okay? So what would happen if we started choosing discomfort? The real thing that we should be concerned with is the fact that we aren't comfortable being uncomfortable. We live in a society that is a microwave society where we get immediate gratification all the time. Not being uncomfortable during weight loss or learning to eat healthfully or getting over a bad habit is just not going to happen. And you know what? There's a ton of freedom in just accepting that. The real thing that we should be concerned with is the fact that we aren't comfortable with being uncomfortable. Society doesn't teach us how to set ourselves up for long-term success, right? Choosing discomfort is literally the gateway to long-term satisfaction. Guess what? Building a business, you guys. You want to know how many times I was so incredibly uncomfortable and felt like I was outside of my grace zone, outside of the realm of my capacity? You know, many, you know how many times I've dug my heels into online courses or books or hiring mentors or spending thousands of dollars on self-education? Was that comfortable? Is taking a risk ever comfortable? Absolutely not. So let's just accept that, you guys. Let's accept that today that it's going to be a journey. It's going to be a long ride. And there's going to be up days and down days. There's going to be times of positive emotion and negative emotion. And you know what? All of that is necessary. All of that is normal. And there's going to be some disappointment. Yeah, you know what? Shame is going to try and come on your life when you make bad decisions. But that's why it's so important to set ourselves up with the right mind frame, the right responsible thinking as to what the journey is actually going to be like. And as long as we listen to the gurus who say, here's five steps to five million inches off your waist. And as long as we just read magazine headlines or jump into diet after diet, you guys, we're putting a bandaid over the problem and we're kidding ourselves. And so I just want to set you free with that today, that we need to choose discomfort and we need to choose discomfort for that long-term satisfaction. And I just want to say, I have a massive amount of empathy for this, obviously, because you guys, when I was going through this, my leptin and my ghrelin levels, which regulate your hormones, used to be so incredibly off that I felt like I had literally zero capability to manage my food intake. Um, Those hormones help you let you know when you're hungry and when you're full. And mine were so just expanded beyond capacity that I had to heal that part of my body. So there's a very real, even just physical part of this where healing needs to happen and it's not comfortable, but it's so incredibly worth it. And so choosing discomfort, you guys, over momentary comfort, I want to say this very important distinction is very different than just resisting discomfort. And this is the second portion of this, right? So we're going to choose discomfort. And then the second part, we need to make the distinction that choosing to discomfort over momentary comfort is much different than resisting discomfort. So let's dive into that. Choosing rather than resisting. So choosing puts you in control. Resisting discomfort puts you on defense, right? Resisting says you're missing out and that's awful and you're gonna die. And choosing discomfort says you're worthy of making the best choices that help you get closer to your goals. You're strong, you're capable, and you can change your mind about food. 
even if you've been stuck in this cycle for so long. Choosing discomfort says you don't need to overeat or withhold to feel comfort. You can become okay with the emotion of uncomfortability. You can sit with the negative emotions. You can see it from a right perspective of a 30,000 foot view. And you can tell overeating that you're not scared of it anymore. You guys, when we do that, those emotions that try to come and that will come while we're uncomfortable will no longer have power and will never own you again. Because when you choose it, you are putting yourself in the power position rather than placing yourself in a defensive position, in a position of fear, fearing those negative emotions of shame, guilt, condemnation, oh, the pain of overeating, the pain of you know choosing that negative habit again and the repercussions that come from that. Do you guys see how there's a major difference in the power play of when you choose whether than you just resist? It's kind of like the difference between being proactive and pursuing a goal because you can think of all the benefits rather than choosing to pursue a goal because you're afraid of what will happen if you don't do it. Do you make, does that make sense? Like I'm going to college because I want to pursue this, right? I want to get this degree. I want to meet new people. I want to join a sorority. Or is it I'm going to college because otherwise I'm terrified that my parents will cut me off or I'm terrified that my parents won't be proud of me, right? One is resisting, one is choosing. And they're two totally, totally different mindsets that have completely different outcomes. So I hope that those two strategies really help you today. Now let's finally end the podcast by chatting through overwhelm, okay? One of my favorite people in the whole world describes overwhelm this way. Overwhelm is an, is an indulgent emotion that pretends to be necessary. I'll say that again. Overwhelm is an indulgent emotion that pretends to be necessary. Think of the last time that you were overwhelmed. I'll give you a couple seconds. Were you moving? Did you see that the first runner-up of your state pageant was competing for the same local title as you and they were only giving out one title and that made you feel horrible about yourself and you instantly started comparing yourself? Did a close family member get sick? Did the boy you went on a date with say that he just wanted to be friends? The last time I was overwhelmed was a few weeks ago. Uh, I was feeling like I had the world caving in on me with how many responsibilities I had to complete in a very short amount of time. And what many of you guys don't know is that I don't just run a pageant coaching business. I'm also a singer, songwriter, speaker, and pastor, which shameless plug, by the way, our latest single um, is called Faithful to Come, and it's produced under my church, My City Worship, written uh, by me and some of my very best friends, which was so fun, in Nashville uh, this past year. And we released it September 23rd, 2018, and it is just like done really, really well, I'm proud to say. Uh, It's been featured on Spotify playlists and around the world in over 60 countries and has over 60,000 spins on Spotify alone um, at the time of me recording this. We also released another amazing single called Through. So just kind of pairing that with the topic of today, if you're kind of going through something, those two songs, I promise, will really uplift you. And so that's my shameless plug. Go check out My City Worship, Faithful to Come, and Through. You guys will love them. Faithful to Come is a banger, super upbeat, and Through is like a really nice power ballad. So you guys will love it. But anyways, I was feeling super overwhelmed one day. My boyfriend and I were having our weekly meeting talking about planning our Christmas services where we were expecting um, upwards of 1,500 people in attendance at this arena. We were going through a ton of details, throwing back and forth ideas as we always do. And 
After about two hours of discussing the 8,000 things, people, and systems that we had to manage, I remember coming back to my office and just like bursting into tears. Um, Not only was I managing this, but also I had clients to serve, a podcast coming out in a month, and a brand new program launch for Powerhouse. And man, it was just overwhelming, not to mention real life things like trying to go to the gym and do laundry and see family and trying to enjoy the holiday season. And oh, did I mention my brother got married in the same month too? Like just tons. So I'll admit like I did not handle overwhelm the best that day. And you know what? That's okay sometimes. But today I really want to offer you guys what I offered myself in those moments and what has gotten me through so many instances when I just wanted the day to be over and to throw in the towel. So number one, Overwhelm is an emotion that most often never serves you well emotionally, but it can teach you, in my opinion, a few valuable lessons if you're close or at the point of overwhelm. And so let me share with you a couple ways that it could actually be really healthy if you change your perspective. Number one, it can signal when we're working too hard. Number two, it can signal when we're off emotionally and not managing or processing well. Number three, it can tell us when our stress levels are about to make us sick, when we're being treated less than we're worth, or that when we're carrying things that we shouldn't be carrying. And finally, it can tell us that we're growing. So those are four ways where I really believe that overwhelm can actually serve as a positive catalyst. But number two, we have to learn how to talk to ourselves before the pressure box explodes. So we talked to... We talked about that pressure box a little bit earlier in the show, um, but one of those ways that we can really help that pressure box de-escalate is like I had to do earlier in my own life. I, we had to speak what is true. Here are some thoughts on that, things that you could speak out loud. So you could speak about what's good in your life. Do you have good grades? Do you have a family member that always listens to you? Do you have a best friend that you can lean on? Do you have a boyfriend that will empathize with you and listen to you? Do you have a gym that you can let out some steam in? Speak those out like a mantra and remind yourself that no, like your world is not crashing apart. You're just having an emotion and that emotion does not have to have you. So here's the thing that will blow your mind. Overwhelm is not in fact caused by the things in your life, okay? And they weren't actually caused by the fact that I had 8,000 things going on in my life. But the overwhelm came from the thoughts that all of those events in my life produced rather than the events themselves. Let me say that again. The overwhelm came from the thoughts that all those events in my life produced rather than the events themselves. This distraction, this distinction might seem minute, but it's really everything. And as long as we think that the events themselves are what's causing us pain, it will be very, very hard for us to expand our capacity emotionally in any way or expand our capacity at all. Like, If you're just going to choose to get overwhelmed all the time, there's absolutely no way that you're going to be able to handle more. Does that make sense? Like you can't strive for more. You won't think that you can do more because you're just going to accept that that's your limit. Does that sound familiar to anyone? So for example, pageant prep rolls around. You have a million things to do before state. And just like that, you're paralyzed with overwhelm. And boy, have I been there, aka my entire experience at Miss America. Suddenly thoughts of, I'll never win. I don't have time to make a difference. Suddenly thoughts of, I'll never win. I don't have time to make enough of a difference to win. I can't compete with her. I can't lose the weight necessary. I don't have enough time for these community service events. I'll never reach top 10. 
they all flood in like a tidal wave. And my goodness, I have been there. And in reality, uh, do you just have too much on your plate? Maybe. But was it your job, your homework, your teacher, your school, your friend's fault? No, it wasn't. You see that? See how it's the thoughts that come from these things that made you feel like a crazy person? You guys, I hope that this is free today, freeing for you. Believe me, we're just getting started talking about this stuff. But I hope that these simple distinctions of, you know, choosing, not resisting, and looking at, oh my gosh, my thoughts are creating this overwhelm, not my actual circumstances. Isn't it amazing how these tiny distinctions in our life can be the very thing that actually sets us free to feel like we can take that power back, to feel like we can be in control again, and not just allow life to happen to us. You guys, I'm so excited that you guys tuned in today and got to listen to this. I hope that it's been helpful. And I just want you guys to know that I believe in you, that you're amazing, that I'm so proud of you guys for working through your issues and being willing to listen to sometimes like the tough love of like, hey, we're not gonna allow you to just stay in these circumstances and stay overwhelmed all the time. Like there is a way out. And I'm really proud of you guys for choosing to change your thoughts and change your life, to change the outcomes um, and to back up to the starting line of how these things start. You guys are learning this so much faster and so much earlier than I did. And it's just a blessing for me to get to speak these ideals and principles into your life. So like I said, I believe in you. You guys are amazing. You've got this. And I will see you next week for episode three. If you're ready to take your pageant life to a whole new level, make sure to join us in the powerhouse inner circle where personal development meets pageantry. Each month, for less than the cost of one coaching session with me, you'll get all my best coaching strategies through two live group coaching sessions, a companion guide to make it stick, and a community to grow with during your pageant prep. Head on over to powerhousepageantry.com forward slash inner circle to learn more and to see if there's a spot for you. Finally, thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I know life is busy and that you may be listening on your commute, at the gym, or while cooking in between classes. We love helping you unlock the winner within you. And if you love this podcast, it would mean the world to us if you'd subscribe. If this episode really hit home for you, don't hesitate to let us know on Instagram by screenshotting this episode and sharing it to your story or by texting it to that one friend who really needs to hear this. It's all about spreading sisterhood and helping other powerhouse women like yourself grow. And remember, if you're ready to go all in on your pageant prep and to link arms with other achievers who want to win their pageants and win in life, our powerhouse inner circle could be the place for you. For questions, to work with us, or for topics you'd like us to cover, email info at powerhousepageantry.com and we'll be in touch. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.